Chapter 9 of The Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins, Volume 2, by Robert Paltick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 For the first few days after our company had left us, Yorkie could not forbear a tear now and then for the loss of her father and sister, but I endeavored not to see it, lest I should, by persuading her to the contrary, seem to oppose what I really thought was a farther token of the sweetness of her disposition. But it wore off by degrees, and having a clear stage again, it cost us several days to settle ourselves and put our confused affairs in order. And when we had done, we blessed ourselves that we could come and go and converse with the pleasing tenderness we had hitherto always done. She told me nothing in the world but her concern for so tender a father and the fear of displeasing me if she disobliged him should have kept her so long from me, for her life had never been so sweet and serene as with me and her children, and if she was to begin it again and choose her settlement and company, it should be with me in that arco. I told her, though I was entirely of her opinion for avoiding a life of hurry, yet I loved a little company, if for nothing else but to advance topics for discourse, to the exercise of our faculties. But I then agreed it was not from mere judgment I spoke, but from fancy. But you we, says I, it will be proper for us to see what our friends have left us that we don't want before the time comes about again. Then she took her part, and I mine, and having finished, we found they would hold out pretty well, and that the first thing to be done was to get the oil of the beast fish. When we came to examine the brandy and wine, I found they had suffered greatly. So I told Yorkie when she could spare time, she should make another flight to the ship. And, says I, pray look at all the small casks of wine or brandy, or be they what they will, if they are not above half full or thereabouts, they will swim, and you may send them down. I desired her to send a fire shovel and tongs, describing them to her, and there are abundance of good ropes between decks rolled up. Send them, says I, and anything else you think we want, as plates, bowls, and all the cutlasses and pistols, says I, that hang in the room by the cabin. For I would, methinks, have another cargo, as it may possibly be the last, for the ship can't hold forever." Yorkie, who loved a jaunt to the ship mightily, sat very attentive to what I said and told me, if I pleased, she would go the next day, to which I agreed. She stayed on this trip till I began to be uneasy for her, being gone almost four days, and I was in great fear of some accident. But she arrived safe, telling me she had sent all she could any ways pack up, and any one who had seen the arrival of her fleet would have taken it for a good ship's cargo, for it cost me full three weeks to land and draw them up to the grotto, and then we had such a redundancy of things that we were forced to pile them upon each other to the top of the room." It began to draw towards long days again, when one morning, in bed, 
I heard the grip sack. I waked Yorkie and told her of it, and we both got up and were going to the level when we met six glums in the wood with a grip sack before them coming to the grotto. The trumpeter, it seems, had been there before, but the others, who seemed to be of a better rank, had not. We saluted them, and they us, and Yorkie, knowing one of them, we desired them to walk to the grotto. They told us they came express from Gio Rigetti's palace with an invitation to me and Yorkie to spend some time at his court. I let them know what a misfortune I lay under in not being born with a grandee, since Providence had pleased to dispose me in part of the world where alone it could have been of such infinite service to me, or I should have taken it for the highest honor to have laid myself at their master's feet. And after some other discourse, one of them pressed me to return his master my answer, for they had but a very little time to stay." I told them they saw plainly by bearing my breast to them that I was under an absolute incapacity for such a journey and gratifying the highest ambition I could have in the world for I was pinned down to my arco never more to pass the barrier of that rock. One of them then asking if I should choose to go if it was possible to convey me thither, I told him he could scarce have the least doubt was my ability to perform such a journey equal to my inclination to take it, that I should in the least hesitate at obeying his master. Sir, says he, you make me very happy in the regard you show my master, and I must beg leave to stay another day with you. I told him they did me great honor, but little thought what it all tended to. We were very facetious, and they talked of the number of visitors I had had there, and they mentioned several facts which had happened, and amongst the rest that of Nazgig, who, they said, since his return, had been introduced by Pendlehamby to the king, and was, for his great prudence and penetration, become Georgetti's great favorite. They told me war was upon the point of breaking out, and several other pieces of news, which, as they did not concern me, I was very easy about. The next morning, they desiring to walk and view what was most remarkable in my arco, and above all, to see me fire my gun, which they had heard so much of, I gratified them at a mark, and hit the edge of it, and found them quite staunch, without the least start at the report. I paid them a compliment upon it, and told them how their countrymen had behaved, even at a second firing. But, says he, who was the chief spokesman and knew, I found, as much as I could tell him, that second fright was from seeing death the consequence of the first, and though you had then to do mostly with soldiers, you must not think they choose death more than others, though their duty obliges them to shun it less. The same person then desired me to show him how to fire the gun, which I did, and believe he might hit the rock somewhere or other, but he did not seem to admire the sport, and I, having but few balls left, did not recommend the gun to the rest. A little before bedtime the strangers told me they believed I should see Nazgig next morning. 
I presently thought there was somewhat more than ordinary in this visit, but could no ways dive to the bottom of it. Just before they went to rest, they ordered the trumpeter to be early on the rock next morning, and upon the first sight of Nazgig's corps to sound notice of it, for us to be ready to receive him. End of Chapter 9